This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. Go to freedom350.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number, 350.com, and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom350.com. It's, uh, you ever see Casablanca when the prefect of police, Sergeant Renault, goes gambling? I'm shocked to find gambling here. Here's your winning, sir. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> that just comes up in my mind day after day when we see people are like, wait a moment. Apparently, there's something going on here. What are we going to do with this? It's Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe in for Pat and Stu today. Apparently, there's a document that's been uncovered from the Middle East where... It shows the ISIS, uh, the, the end of the world plan that ISIS has developed. And when you look at what the plan is, it's pretty much what um, most of us have said for quite a few years. And what people like, oh, that, uh, what's that, Glenn Beck has said for about five, six years. And that is they are putting the band back together, man. That's what they're doing in the Middle East. They're rebuilding the Assyrian Empire. They're bringing all of these people back together, trying to cut down borders of countries, as we know, and unite people under one big uh, regime based on extremist Muslim values. Not Muslim values, but extremist Muslim values. That's what they're doing. This is a giant theocracy. Well, now caliphate has become part of people's lexicons. I mean, if you listen to Glenn Beck, you've heard that uh, that word a long time ago. But no, that is what's happening. He was warning of this five years ago. People called him crazy. This is some of the stuff that said, oh, it's that Glenn Beck talking those crazy conspiracy theories. Muslims are out to get you. The caliphate is here, folks. Right, right. So here they are years ago saying Glenn Beck's crazy, and now it's, what's this? There's a caliphate? I'm shocked, shocked to find what's going on here. Here's what I think is likely. If I can figure this stuff out, and Glenn can figure this stuff out, and we're idiots, you don't think that people that work in the State Department that study this stuff, professors at universities and advisors for presidents, that they know this stuff? Of course they knew this was going on. I'm not sure they're idiots too, though, man. No, no, Skip. No, I really think they knew it was going on. Here's what I think. I think they simply couldn't tell us because of certain national security issues. Number two, they wouldn't tell us because they don't want us to have the information. And third... They were waiting based on their political views and philosophies to use that when they could or not use it at all. They've got other things going on. I mean, the Iran deal, please. Do you really believe that they all are thinking, wow, this is good. We can trust Iran. This is swell. Of course not. There's other stuff going on. It has to be. They cannot be that stupid, can they? Can they really be skipped? Please. Here's the thing, I would like to say no, but based off of what we've seen over the past couple of years, I don't know that. I, I'm, not, I'm not confident in saying, no, of course, they knew, they know. I'm not confident in saying that, just based off of what I've seen from our administration and the previous administration and the 
previous administration? Listen, John Kerry would have to be the battered woman of the U.S. government. You know, the battered woman that ends up on Jerry and goes, Jerry, he beats the hell out of me all the time, but I'm staying with him. The, the Ayatollah, yes, he tells me horrible things, what he's going to do to us, but you don't know him like I know him. See, the whole death to America thing is kind of like a term of endearment. Right. You know, how certain relationships <laughs> exactly. will like, uh, uh, call each other like negative names, but it's really a positive thing. You, you honestly don't know this, you idiots? i got to believe they know. I mean, just based on North Korea, they cannot be quite that dumb unless they have something else going on. Or like, to your point that we mentioned the last couple of days, maybe they have a nuke. Maybe there's something else going on. But let me tell you about the new information. So, a Pakistani citizen gets this document and releases it. And the document is supposedly written by the Taliban. And this is a, make sure I get this right, Skip. The Taliban said uh, that they are being recruited by ISIS along with Al-Qaeda to all join forces. Well, what is that? That's simply, you know, branches of a different tree anyways. In fact, there's a lot of us that believe they're already working it together, you know, whether officially or unofficially. They're already together. Yeah, I mean, it looks. It certainly appears though Islamic extremists are trying to unite themselves under this. But now we actually see um, an, an active case of actually the ISIS re ISIS reaching out to the Taliban, to other types of groups too. They had said, except the fact the caliphate will survive and prosper until it takes over the entire world, beheads every last person that rebels against the law. Shocked! I'm shocked to find out that there are terrorists out there working with other terrorists in the Middle East to take America down. Shocked, I tell you. But there's people out there who, who appear to be, who are like, what's going on with this? With, with all the history we have, the years and years and years and decades of fighting and infighting in the Middle East, how are you surprised by this? I mean, we even have the news now, too, that has come out that it appears as though Russia was seeding anti-American propaganda in the Middle East during the Cold War 30, 40, 50 years ago. They've been playing the long game. Nobody should be surprised by any of this. Right, but, but this is news. I don't even know why this is an issue. We got this document says that al-Qaeda... And ISIS and the Taliban might be working together. This is their plan to bring down the world. And anyone who doesn't believe in Muslims and extremist ideas, we're going to behead them. This is news? How is this news? Is it news? Of course. We, we've got videos out of them beheading people who don't believe in what they do. And they keep expanding in the Middle East. So what is, the, what is supposed to be the shocking part here, Skip? That they have an end-of-the-world plan for America and whatever? Why, why is that shocking? That shouldn't be. I mean, they already be? showed that they have no problems uh, sacrificing themselves for to be martyrs. So think they under that scenario, they would all become martyrs. Even the unofficial terrorists, like the Ayatollah, he says, uh, death to America. Isn't that an end-of-the-world idea, plan, philosophy? <laughs> it certainly is the end of the, at least America. Right, right. Well, that's, I mean, end-of-world for America, end-of-America plan, right? So, of course, he has... These ideas and values and philosophies. So why would that be shocking in this video or, or this uh, document that they want America to go away? Okay, that's not shocking. Um, that uh, there are terrorists out in the world. That's not shocking. That they oh the beheading part. They want to behead anybody that doesn't believe like them. That's a shocking part. We've never heard anything like that before. That's uh, well, I mean that's shocking in the terms of new. a shocking act, but it's nothing new. This isn't like oh my goodness they're doing that now. No, they've been doing that for a long, long time. I guess the most new part of this is that they're working together potentially building forces but that shouldn't be shocking to anyone why wouldn't you do that right well yeah i mean whether we call it isis whether we call it uh, uh, um, uh the taliban i mean that's all very similar in terms of thoughts they they want to expand their um uh, sharia law uh, islamic radicalism and provide a death to westerners to america to christians now there is a little bit of new information on about a 
a process, a plan to get this done. I mean, they have the ideas. They probably worked on a lot of plans. But one of the little plans they have is some sort of attack on India. Now, India has been one of our allies, at least on some level, closer than, than some others. So if they attack India, remember, we've got a lot of Indian Americans, a lot more people from India have migrated to America. They've been our friend in the region, certainly more than a lot of other people. And India has a billion people, second most populated country on the planet. If they attack India, America is going to be forced to intervene somehow. What that is, I don't know. Likely, if it's severe enough, we'll put, we'll put troops on the ground. We'll, we'll put boots on the ground. We'll end up going in there. Where, though? I mean, troops where? I mean, if they attack India, I mean, it's going to be the same way that they would have attacked us during a 9-11. I mean, this isn't going to be a, a clear nation-making another attacking. And so we're faced with the same sort of a, no, no, a, a dilemma we were in back in 2001. No, no, no. There's no dilemma. If they attack India, we clearly invade Afghanistan. I mean, I think that's... No, but we, you, if they attack right, India, we, we clearly we go, to go Syria. Iraq, we got to right? go to Syria then. Right. I mean, Iran. I mean, where is it going to end? So even if this plan does come to fruition the way that they want... Uh, to provoke the U.S., what does that really mean? It's not going to be a clear war like uh, we are familiar with. It's going to be the same type of, of, of quasi-war on terror, on an idea as opposed to a nation that we're in now. Well, and you know, any, any bit of terror, any attack on any country, any people over there that's significant enough, anyone could be the domino that starts them all following. It's the, the domino effect. The Arch-Duke Ferdinand moment. What's it? Yeah, the Arch-Duke Ferdinand moment. You never know what it's going to be. And, I mean, we could go another 10 years without any of this, another 100 years of this. It could happen tomorrow. We just don't know what that moment will be. But if you look around and see forces, how they're lining up, and that's part of the other significant part here is that the Taliban, of course, is likely working with ISIS and the Al-Qaeda and other terrorist organizations, the Muslim Brotherhood. All of this is connected there. And then you see how world economies are lining up right now. You are talking That's potentially scary. a world war. I mean a true world war where every corner of the world is involved, not just a good chunk of it. Because you've got China right now that has always backed communist regimes like North Korea and uh, Russia, of course, backing them as well. Even though they've kind of, you know, it's like what America does with it. We know they know we're on the side of South Korea and we kind of defend them, but everybody kind of gives a little border, a little, uh, little leeway right there. But China's hurting right now. China's economy the last couple of months is tanking. The stock market is tanking in a huge way. So they're hurting. Then you look at the other countries that are in a lot of trouble, like Greece. You've got America that we have not had a good economy in how many years now. And now we're going to be asked to take on more debt and more responsibility because of the economy of places like Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico's economy is tanking right now. They've got a $72 billion debt they can't take care of. So you've got economic problems all across the globe and nobody really knows what to do then you've got all these tensions it's like the middle east what's going to happen with it you've even got tensions within organizations like the eu because countries like greece are bringing them down and you got germany going well we don't want to take on their responsibility and their debt what's going to be the linchpin could happen anytime. Well, and, and, and while we're discussing this, too, one of the main ideas they're thinking of or, or goals that they want to get is try to get a nuclear weapon and possibly detonate it in, uh, in India. Uh, you know, there's a nation that's in the Middle East, though, who we're currently negotiating with for um, uh, some sort of a nuclear... What is that, Canada? No, um, starts with an I. India. Um, in India? No, 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 not India. Oh, Iran, Iran, yeah. Oh, I've heard something about that deal. So, um, yeah. yeah, and based off of my, my point yesterday that I think it's likely they already have a nuclear weapon, that's why we're having to uh, get rid of these sanctions, give them money to buy them time. But uh, 
why would we be pushing this deal with Iran then, too, when we're currently uh, uh, allegedly concerned about ISIS kind of trying to get control of a, of a weapon as well? We've seen in Iraq, too, any time uh, 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 weapons or munitions or trucks are, uh, are, are, uh, are given to the people there, the Iraqi security forces, any time a gunshot fires anywhere near from ISIS, they abandon them. That's how they've gotten all of their stuff. We've given it to them. Well, it, it, Kip, you go back to the Iraq war and the uh, Afghanistan war. What happened there? I mean, did, did you ever see the, read the rules of engagement? Have you seen those stories about what the rules of engagement were for American troops? They often could not return fire if the other person, the terrorist, wasn't armed. Did you know this? Did you see this? It's really convoluted. There were cases where terrorists, bad guys, whatever you call them, insurgents, would fire at American troops, do whatever they wanted, drop the gun, and the American troops weren't allowed to return fire in many cases. There were these new rules of engagement based on political correctness and being nice and what the media would say because people's political careers were, were on the line with this stuff. Instead of saying, it, if it's serious enough that if it's a threat to America, go in there and kick ass, and if not, you have no business being there. I'm really frustrated by this lack of understanding where if you say to presidents like George Bush or even Barack Obama, Listen, we shouldn't be involved in all these things around the world. They go, oh, isolationists. Oh, we should just shut everything down. You're like that, that Ron Paul guy, just only worry about America. No. I'm getting closer, though. Not. I'm getting closer to no, that No, no, no. It's, it's got to be a balance, though, ah. Skip. The other side then says, oh, you just want to go in and blow up the world and shoot first and ask questions later. No, it's called a balance. You set a foreign policy that says we will stand with our friends we will not bother those who just want to go about their business. But if you are against us, we are going to take you out. And by against us, I don't mean protecting foreign uh, American interest in foreign countries. And by that, I mean oil or companies who chose to develop whatever in a foreign country. That's not the case. Foreign policy should be leave us alone. We'll leave you alone. However, if you don't leave us alone, we are going to take you down and use everything within our power up to and including nuclear weapons. That's and you have key. to mean it and you have to use them. That's the key, too. I'm tired of these half measures in these wars where we go and send 10,000 ground units or send in an additional 144 uh, uh, specialists to consult. No, I think if we're going to be going to a war, we send 3 million ground troops. We comb the desert. We go inch by inch through there and kill every terrorist. That's how you win a war. We talk about the shock and awe back during George W. Bush. No, we need to go 100 times that. <laughs> you want to win this war? We can. We're America. Let's go exert our dominance. You know, I think I touched on it in the last couple of days here, but we, we need a new plan on how we're going to fight these wars that are, that are not conventional yeah. wars. And I don't know what the answer is. I, I, I think the only thing that, I, that I've heard have come up with, and it, by the way, it's not just intelligence because that leads to just spying on Americans. Of course, good intelligence is good. But it's not like, hey, if we can spy on everybody, then we can find out where the bad guys are. No. It doesn't work. Sorry. Because you end up with even more problems. All that does is set up infringement of other rights and sets up future totalitarian regimes or dictators. That's all that does. It has to be based on good intelligence that does not infringe upon people's freedoms and rights. We will unleash special forces, whatever those special forces mean. Is it the Marines? Is it a new branch? We've got to hunt people like that. I mean, that's, as I told you, what the Marines were set up to do, to hunt the Barbary pirates. And that's what they did. So why don't we position at least one branch of the, uh, the military or just, I mean, you want to send all SEALs? Fine. You've got to quadruple the number of SEALs that we have and unleash them around the world. And we are going to go after people that are fighting wars against us that are not based on geographical locations.
It has to be something like that. Now, we can still go ahead and, you know, if France comes over and starts something, we'll go ahead and take over the country. That's fine. We'll, we'll go ahead France and fight countries. France will down, though. France, that's actually, a that's bad, example. We don't have bad to, example. That's a good one. But if, if a country actually says, hey, we're at war with you, okay, we'll go ahead and fight that conventional, we're at war with another country. We can do that. We've proven we can do that. But what do we do in these other cases? you got to have somebody go in there and do something unconventional. I think that's what it has to be. We'd love to get your take on this. 888-727-BECK. 888-727-BECK. We'd love to get your take on what's going on with this new document about the terrorist groups working together. You can also tweet at the show. It's uh, the hashtag what I learned today. We use it during our morning broadcast as well, but we can use it today. Tweet at Doc Thompson Show for my Twitter account or at Skip Lacombe. And if you would, please follow us on Twitter as well. It seems like every time you turn on the news, you hear some of the stuff we say, there's something new to worry about. I mean, man, I get so frustrated. It just builds and builds and builds. And one of my concerns is how can I take care of my family? How can I protect myself and my family? The answer is to get prepared. You can't prepare for every contingency, but you know what? There's a lot of things you can do with Patriot Supply. Right now, there's a special offer. You can get a 72-hour emergency food supply for only $10. Now, this deal is only available if you call 800 478 8061. It's My Patriot Supply. You can uh, bring back this. They're, they're going to bring back this special deal, but you can't miss out. Got to call now. It's 800 474 8061. That's 800 478 8061. Call now. It's My Patriot Supply. It's not just food. It's freedom. Are you tired of commuting to a job that makes someone else rich? Working harder than ever, but getting nowhere? With our opportunities, you can start earning money as soon as next week. You get to be the boss, work from home, and live a happier life. Go to freedom350.com right now and change your life today. That's freedom, the number, 350.com, and start earning money as soon as next week. You be the boss. Go to freedom350.com. Hi there, it's Doc and Skip in for Pat and Stu today. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be pinch hitting for Glenn Beck on his radio show tomorrow morning and Friday morning, 9 to noon Eastern time on the Blaze Radio Network. Just go to theblaze.com slash radio and you can listen live to all the shows. We got our regular morning show there. You can listen live to followed by Glenn, then Buck Sexton and Jay Severin. It's a great lineup. Keeps you informed all day long. So make sure to check out theblaze.com slash radio. Tonight on the Blaze TV, some of the things we've kind of touched on is uh, a special that has to do with Muslim extremists coming into America, as well as a lot of other bad stuff coming to in America, because we have not secured our southern border. And that is uh, the Sun City Cell. It's at 8 o'clock tonight, the Blaze TV. You're going to want to check it out. We know that there are people around the world that seek to do us harm. I mean, we just told you about a whole lot of examples there. And we know we haven't secured our borders. I mean, what more do you need? If they're not already here, which, let's face it, they're already here, at least some of them, they're going to be. Why wouldn't they? You want to do America harm, and America hasn't secured its border. Sounds pretty simple to me. Check it out tonight on the Blaze TV. It's theblaze.com slash TV. Sun City Cell, exclusive information, exclusive footage tonight on the Blaze TV. Uh, Skip and I are huge fans of coffee. We're huge fans of food and cooking as well. And we started working with a company out of Iowa. We want to share some information with you on. It's called American Pride Roasters. 
They make the best coffee, period, bar none. You can check it out at AmericanPrideRoasters.com. So they, they've themed all of their coffees after patriots, most of American presidents, but some other patriots throughout American history as well. And they've kind of tailored the person and their uh, attitudes, ideas, philosophies, accomplishments, successes, desires to the type of coffee as well. And then eventually, they made one for Skip and I. It's the Doc Thompson Bacon Blast Coffee. It's really, really good. Now, normally, if you get um, something with bacon in it that's not bacon, it's usually a novelty, right? See, that's the thing. And when I first found out they were making a bacon-flavored coffee, I was like, <clears throat> well... Okay, we'll try. Yeah, it's going to taste like you're drinking. I was say, of bacon. I, I don't normally like the, the fake bacon flavor. Right. It's become so much a, of, a, of a joke. It's like bacon candy or bacon uh, chewing gum or whatever. It never tastes good. But this stuff is awesome. Now, when you actually take a drink of it, it doesn't have that greasy bacon flavor. But when you finish drinking it, you have that kind of warm feeling that you've just recently eaten mm. bacon, though. It's I mean, the it's best way I can describe it, is the essence of bacon. It's like the idea that, ooh, bacon. Kind of in the back of your mind there. Anyways, love it. Check it out at AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Now, I didn't realize that there was cold-brewed coffee. I, I had no idea that this existed. I mean, I like iced coffee. You make coffee, you put ice in it. It's cold, so you can drink coffee in the summertime if you like the flavor, but it's a little too hot. Of course, I knew that. had that a bunch of times. Loved it. And then the owner of American Pride Roasters, I know, I'm an idiot. He goes, you got to try this cold-brewed coffee. And I was like, oh, iced coffee. Yeah, I like it. He goes, no, no, it's cold-brewed coffee. And I'm like... I don't, I don't know what that means. I guess you're brewing it cold. How is that possible? Did you you knew? Yeah, no. This? I, in fact, I um I generally have had to avoid coffee <clears throat> recently because uh, my stomach does not agree with me generally. So uh, yeah, when I usually do have coffee, I do do it cold brew, and it takes a little bit longer. It takes an overnight type brew, but you get a much smoother tasting coffee. Uh, there's less acid in the coffee, and uh, it's pretty much the only way I drink coffee anymore. But um yeah, like you had said, a lot of people are unfamiliar with the process of it. So I was like, well. Why don't we go and take some of our uh, cold-brewed coffee here, and we can show the, the uh, Blaze listeners on Patents, too. My buddy Skip Lacombe is a pretty good cook. Thank I you. mean, I dabble in the kitchen. I do okay. I, I get it done. But Skip really gets it. He really likes to cook, and he's a good cook. So I defer to him when it comes to things cooking. I mean, I'll add my two cents, but Skip has taught me how to make cold-brew coffee. And yesterday, we made some for the staff here. And, guys, you come on over. we got, we got coffee mugs. Well, let's try some of the bacon blast. You've got your cold-brew that they made, uh, the Skip Lacombe, Yeah, they, right? did, uh, they, did, they did the Doc Thompson bacon blast, and they also did a, a specialty one for me for the cold-brew because uh, Dave knows that I have a hard time with the, uh, with the hot coffee. And, yeah, so they made the uh, Skip Lacombe's uh, Super Smooth Cold Brew. In fact, I think there's three varieties of the cold-brew, too. Super Smooth? Super Smooth. Super and, Smooth. And it is smooth. So, uh, yeah, yesterday, I, uh, when we left the studios, I decided to brew up some of this... Uh, cold brew coffee because I wanted to uh, let some of the people here try it. Now, we actually have a little video of me making it yesterday. Um, I want to give you, give you a basic process of it. We'll come back. We'll try some of the coffee and see what people think. But check out the video on how to make it. All right, so we're making some cold brewed coffee here. I'm making it with American Pride Roasters coffee. You have to check it out at AmericanPrideRoasters.com. Now, the ideal way to make brewed coffee, uh, cold brewed coffee, is to use about a one to four ratio of your grounds to the actual water. So I'm going to go ahead and put about one of these coffee cups full of just the grounds in there. Oh, and I'm going to make a mess with this, too. Oh, yeah, that's going to be real nice. Oh, yeah, look at that. See, ideally, you're going to want to probably get coffee grounds in the actual receptacle, but for our purposes, that'll work. All right, so I already measured it out, too, so now filling this up will be about a 1 to 4 ratio, probably a little bit under, but it's going to go longer than the recommended 12 hours, so that should be okay. From here, all you got to do is fill it up with some water, pop it in the fridge, 
Wait about 12 hours. From there, you're going to want to strain it with a coffee filter. And you have cold brewed coffee. If you let it go for a little bit longer, you can let it go for about 24 hours with the grain still in there. And you'll almost get kind of a coffee concentrate, too. And you can dilute with some water and milk. Otherwise, 12 hours, you're good to go with some nice cold brewed coffee. I'm going to pop the top on this guy. Throw it in the fridge. I'm going to mix it up just a little bit to make sure the ground is all the way down there. And which fridge can I use? Middle one. Okay, I'm not fishing. So yeah, there's, uh, there's multiple fridges here at the, uh, the Blaze Studios, too. And see, the problem is, the fridges change. Like, they I were know. at one side, too. This fridge is for this, this fridge is for that. I can't keep the fridges straight. So yeah, that's the, the basic concept. And, and, Pretty and, simple. And like you say, you want to put about one to four ratio of grounds to the actual water itself and brew it for about 12 hours. You can go a little bit beyond that, but once you get to about 24 hours, um, it, it changes the coffee, too. It's not that it's even too strong. It releases... This is science stuff that he was explaining about alkaloids and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that He's is. He's probably making it up. But, yeah, 12 hours is a pretty good place to shoot for on that. I would uh, go ahead and stress, too, you do want to get the coffee in the receptacle. That's yes, a really important thing as well. That's something you're going to want to See, do. See, uh, the second video I shot, I found a little <laughs> funnel here. So that was much more helpful. Now, after you've been brewing it for, for about, um, about 12 hours, you'll see everything will come through, and uh, the grounds obviously will be at the bottom of it. So you are going to want to strain it through a, uh, through a coffee filter, general style. I just generally take a... Uh, um, um, Coffee filter, call? yeah, a uh, funnel. It's the funnel, funnel, yes, and do it through a filter. And it takes a little bit of time, too. You'll see it'll drip just like a normal pot, but um, you will eventually get a really, really good-tasting, very smooth, low-acidic coffee, and it'll stay uh, shelf-stable in your fridge for three to five days, usually. Yeah, I like it a lot. I'm serious. It's, it's great in the summertime. Use a little... I, I prefer a little cream and sugar in there because it is a little strong. Yeah, in fact, when you do, awesome. do the, when you do the cold <clears throat> brew style, it is going to be um, quite strong, so you usually... It's almost um, like a coffee concentrate. So uh, you're going to want to mix it with some ice. What do you got there? What do you guys? That's uh, the smooth. This is actually the um, the Jefferson, I believe. This Ooh, the, the Jefferson, yeah. Because they didn't have this. And what is this you're brewing here? You're dripping here. Uh, this here is the Doc Thompson's Bacon Blast that's dripping right Which now. Which I'm drinking right so now. The Bacon Blast. I'm going to go ahead and throw a little bit of this uh, milk in here. See if I can do this without making a mess. Oh, yep. Well, oh, I can't there we you go. Did that yeah, yeah you're good. there we go. You cold brewed coffee <clears throat> from AmericanPrideRoasters.com. It Check, yeah. really is good. Check it out, AmericanPrideRoasters.com. A good company. Uh, that we first discovered when we did our, uh, our road tour a couple years ago, and we made it part of our Building America segments. And this is something else that Skip and I are focusing on in the future, and we hope that it does you some good, and we hope you'll check it out on our morning broadcast as well. Every week or so, we feature some local business around America, and if you're interested in appearing, we'll give, we'll give you free the, in, you know, attention on the air, free plugs, free commercials, basically, as part of this segment. Just email skip at theblaze.com. And we just simply talk about people with the entrepreneurial spirit. And that is people who dream and do. See, a lot of us dream. Mm -hmm. A lot so of us that, get that, that down. The doing part. That the doing people, part doesn't go lose. so well for most people. Yeah, our sales department doesn't really like this segment too much. This is the give you free advertising. Yeah, segment. they're not real, real keen on that hot, or whatever. But, um, but we like it, though. Well, we do. And it's really good for America, too, because that's what built America. People who dreamed big that said, there's got to be a better way to do this. Let me try. I mean, you take people like Milton Hershey. I think he had like a dozen companies before he hit with chocolate. Failure Most of them had some sort of food-related uh, uh, aspect to them. But he kept failing at this stuff and just kept trying. I mean, how, how many companies would you have to launch that failed before you said, that's it, I'm going to get a job? How, how many companies? Seriously. I mean, I don't know if I would survive five the of thing. them. Yeah, Imagine the trying thing. to convince your spouse. You go... All right, honey, I know, I know, that's five failed companies, but this one is it. This is the good one, trust me. And then you get seven in, and you're like, I know. 
Would your, would your spouse put up with four failed companies, let alone eight or 12? Can you imagine? You said the chocolate chip company was going to be really successful. When are you going to get a real job? Right. That's what would no, be going totally. on. Now, these are people who just said, I have it's a amazing. passion and I'm going to go out and pursue it. So dreaming and doing. It's our Building America segments. Now, if you're really interested in that stuff, just go to Twitter and look up the hashtag Building America. And we usually have spotlighted, the, uh, when we spotlighted the companies, have used that uh, hashtag on Twitter so you can find them quickly. And tell us about other ones on Twitter. If you have one, we're happy to talk about, or happy to talk about your company. Basically, the people we've had on have told very similar stories with some slight variations. But all of them ultimately say, at some point, you have to step off, on, uh, off of safe ground. If you're sitting at home, you're driving down the road, and you say to yourself, i got to do something else. I'm working for this company. There's no job security. i got to do something for my family, and I have this passion. At some point, after educating yourself and making you know, good, informed decisions, you got to step off safe ground and do it. Otherwise, you'll be beholden to the man for the rest of your life. Well, and you mentioned, too, I mean, so many of these stories are similar, but they all have little tiny tweaks. Real quickly, just on Dave's <clears> story <throat> with this, the reason he started a coffee company wasn't be his, his, his altruistic goal of making a whole bunch of money and, uh, and, and providing things for troops, too, which he, all, he, he does through his programs. Um, he just couldn't find good coffee. He couldn't find coffee he really liked. So he's like, you know what, I'm going to roast it myself. He got one of those hot air poppers he used to make popcorn and started roasting um, coffee beans one cup at a time in his garage. Got to the point when he had 12 of these poppers all around in his garage to roast coffee. That's the thing, is he found out that he wanted to make a better coffee, and he made it, and now it's his business. You know what's funny about that, too? He just told us, because he's obviously graduated after years of doing this, to real roasters or more traditional roasters that people would use, and he said, but he's kept those hot air poppers, and they're on a shelf in his garage. He said, it's just kind of like nostalgia, and every once in a while, he looks at him and says, I need to pull them down and use them. Well, he even said, too, like, sometimes he'll stop in thrift stores and stuff, too, if he's traveling. He'll, just, he'll like, buy them. He's like, oh, it's five bucks. I just, I I just like, got it. Cause but that's, I mean, it's part of who he is at that point, too. Right. So anytime I think about that, stepping off the ledge, I want to go ahead and I'm tired of working for the man. Ooh. I want to start a business. Go out and do it. You find, your own, find your own hot popper to do it, you know? Please follow us on Twitter, and uh, don't forget to look up that uh, hashtag, Building America. It's Doc Thompson and Skip Lacombe in for Pat and Stu today. How many people have to die? How many people have to die? How many people have to die before we finally secure the border? How many people have to die before we finally say, hey, can we stop being politically correct and round some people up and get rid of them? I mean, is it really that offensive to try to protect Americans? I, I don't know. I just do not understand this. I think what's happened for years. Now, let me back up a little bit. A couple of administrations ago, people started saying, hey, how can we make legal uh, illegals legal? This, one, this goes back as soon as Reagan did it in 86. People started talking about this again under the end, at the end of the uh, George H.W. Bush administration and definitely by the Clinton administration because they all saw the future was Hispanics and American and they wanted to woo them into their various parties. And it's just built and built and built to the time that during the first, uh, uh, first election or first four years of George W. Bush, 
Remember when they tried to push amnesty back then and people shut them down. Talk radio real big in shutting them down. Well, they got smart and they said, let's market this. We can't use the term amnesty. That's bad. So we'll come up with an answer to all of their objections. Things like, no, no, they're not going to get off scot-free. They'll have to pay a fine and back taxes and all this nonsense that we've talked about before. But one of the other things that they've done is promote this myth that all of these illegals are just good people. That is not the case. And the fact is, it really doesn't matter how many of them or what percentage of them are good people that are not violent criminals. If one out of a hundred million of them is a bad person, if they weren't in the country, that one person would not have committed that violent crime against an American citizen. And the people in D.C. have not done what they're supposed to do, what their job is to protect American citizens from outside invaders. And that's just the case. Now... In the last couple of weeks, partially because of Donald Trump and just incredible timing about some highly publicized illegal uh, cases where illegals have killed Americans, people are starting to say, hey, wait a minute. Have you noticed this? Oh, yeah, that absolutely. people are starting to wake up that that is a fallacy, that illegals commit no violent crimes, or it's lower. It's a lower percentage. It doesn't matter. These are Americans that would be alive if you were not in the country. And as of this morning... Another documented case of an illegal killing an American citizen, this one out of northeastern Ohio, in Lake County. The guy uh, basically uh, shot a woman who was walking on the Greenway Corridor bike path with two children. I mean, how, how many, many, how many of these stories are we going to have to get? How many of these stories are we going to have to get about illegals, people who are here illegally killing people? Now, I actually think that the media is um, jumping on Donald Trump and making that whole people all aghast at him saying that probably ended up hurting uh, their cause more than anything because people have now looked at that and said, well, hold on, Donald actually kind of makes a good point with that. And if you actually listen to what he said, he didn't say all Hispanics, I mean, all illegals are, are doing this. He, he said there are some. He was so quick to say, actually, and I'm not saying all. But, of course, they cut out right before that part. Well, and this guy that you're seeing, this guy right here from Lake County, Ohio, you know what he was trying to do? He was trying to rape a 14-year-old girl. He was attempting to, huh, attempt to rape a 14-year-old girl. Mm. Okay, he may not be a rapist, but he is an attempted rapist, it looks like. He's been charged with attempted murder as well in the shooting. Um, I know this area very well. My family uh, is still in northeastern Ohio. My brother lives within 15 minutes of where this happened. Um, I, I know it very, very well. If it can happen there, it can happen anywhere. See, here's the thing about northeastern Ohio. It's not close to the border at all. In fact, my home county of Ashtabula County, Ohio, is filled with illegals. This is a cold climate with no jobs. Ashtabula County, Ohio, has been going through what, what the rest of America has been going through the last oh, eight years or so. They've been going through it for the last 25 years a slow fade into former glory. That's the best you can say about it. It's blighted. The factories are all gone. The people are poor there. And it just gets worse. Government out of control. And you've got a bunch of illegals in this county? How is that possible? Well, it's because those numbers that they give you, about 11 million, are likely false. It's going to be a whole lot more. So how many have to die? I don't know how many this takes. The only good thing about these cases when I see them now where somebody is shot or murdered, raped, whatever, is that I can say, well, maybe this is the one. Maybe this is the one that gets enough attention where people start paying attention to it. Because there's even some uh, relatively cons uh, liberal or progressive news outlets out there that have started actually reporting on this. In fact, the Huffington Post had an article on this guy this morning.
I mean, saying that, hey, another illegal has committed a crime. That is incredible. They've done everything they can to promote illegals because they know it's going to benefit them. It's going to benefit the Huffington Post directly. They're a progressive news outlet. So when you have more illegals here who are likely going to be wooed into progressive, progressive causes and that, what's going to happen? They're likely going to be potential customers, right? Well, no, and that's why, like I said, to the media trying to spin this up actually probably <clears throat> did more harm to their cause than anything because what Donald said was accurate. So, yeah, we do need to see. And it's like you said, how many more of these stories are we going to have to see? And the more that people actually start reporting on that, that HuffPo is, is actually reporting on them, too, maybe that pendulum is starting to swing. Now, the lady that was unfortunately shot at Pier 14 in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago and killed, is it uh, Catherine Stengel? Steng? Something like, like that. that. Anyways, I remember exactly. Uh, she, she was killed. Uh, President Obama still not said anything to her family, not spoken on it, hasn't called the family that we know of, has done nothing. Yet he had time to go speak with some prisoners. He had, go time, he had time to go to Africa, time to do all this stuff, make phone calls to people. He actually sat down and talked with prisoners. Now, I recognize there's a lot of people in prison that are innocent. I like, recognize there's a lot of people that should probably be out. You've served enough time based on your crime. You've turned over a new leaf. All right, I'd be willing to give him a shot, you know. I have no problem with the president doing that. But if they're your priority, if you have time to sit down and talk to people who have been convicted of crimes... But you don't have time to reach out to a woman who was killed or her family based on the policies that you have in place? That's pretty awful. That is, that is just about it as low as you get. It's his policies. He's kept these people here. Oh, and yeah. he continues to. Well, yeah, that shouldn't come as a surprise either, too, when you say he hasn't I mean, talked to people like uh, to Taya Kyle and mentioned Chris Kyle. And stuff. The president's not going to do that because it's all about agenda for him. And if it doesn't fit his agenda, you're not going to hear anything about it. All right, going to get a quick break in here. We'll come back with a little bit more. Get some of your phone calls and tweets. It's Doc and Skip in for Pat and Stu. things happening around here all kinds of good things that's going to help you in the future be informed know what's going on and help do battle i mean that's one of the things uh with the um never again is now event coming up on eight at eight on eight twenty eight in birmingham it's a different way to try to get some stuff done if you're like me you uh you spend your days uh screaming at the sky uh -huh. oh, right because all the stuff going on screaming at people on twitter screaming at people on twitter a lot of screaming at what's uh -huh. going on and then mocking and laughing as my only other form of expression. That's pretty much what I have. And you know what? It's getting really, really old. I need to actually see th more things accomplished. I mean, we've gotten good things done. Even in office, we have people like Dave Brad elected in uh, Virginia. These are good things. And we should keep trying to do those things. But we need some more ammunition. We need to go in a different direction. Skip and I started uh, during the morning program a Better Yourself Challenge. We just say, listen, pick a day, today, tomorrow, whatever. And from there on, over the next 30 days, do something to better yourself. It could be something really significant, like uh, quitting smoking, quitting drinking, maybe giving up crack and hookers, whatever it is. That, you yeah, know, baby steps, though, baby steps. Baby steps, you know, you know maybe go, go cut down on, on the crack and hookers down, at first, you know, something like that. Out. And you do that over the course of 30 days. With the idea is you're going to start building routines, and after 30 days, you'll be a little bit better. Then 
you pick up another one. It could be something less significant. You always wanted to read that book and you just haven't gotten around to it? Do it. Read it over the next 30 days. Your faith, pray more. Go to church more. Spend more time with your kids. It can be something as simple as, you know what? You never watched the Godfather trilogy? Maybe you go ahead and watch it. And that will better your life because at least you will have knowledge. Even if it's not as powerful as knowledge of, you know, world affairs and economy and history, at least you'll know what people are talking about. Little things. Imagine where you'll be six months, a year from now. You'll have lost weight. You'll know more. You'll be stronger relationship with God. Whatever it is. 30-day challenge. So then Glenn Beck comes out with this 40-day challenge, which, which you know, I, this is dude, really... I, I really want to get into it. But, I don't want to get um, into who's came first or whatever, but this is important. leading up to and including his 828 event. And he actually emailed and said, why don't we kind of team up on this? You guys have been asking people to better themselves anyways. So let's get everybody focused on this, and please join me in Birmingham. So Skip and I are going to be in Birmingham on and around 828. Tickets to Glenn's event go on sale, I believe, Saturday, if not sooner. The details are at glennbeck.com. But please join us in Birmingham if you can. If you cannot, please join us right here on the Blaze TV as we'll share some of the, the events. But the big thing is, if you want to change the world and you're frustrated, you've got to start with you first and change your life, little steps at a time. Then we get together and help each other become better people. That's something they cannot, the nutcases, they cannot affect. They cannot win if we are all united on common ground. Not compromising our principles, that's bad. Compromise, not good. Common ground. So, join us 828 in Birmingham. And uh, again, all the information is at glenbeck.com. And of course, we already told you about tonight on the Blaze TV, Sun City Cell is going to be on. But I want to let you know, too, Thursday night going to be a brand new episode of After Action. That's the show with Mark Luttrell and Pete Scoble. They've got um, uh, uh, Rick Perry is going to be on the show this week. Check out a preview of that right now. When, uh, when you talk about service, I think that's why all of us you know, gravitate towards you, because you have a, you have a really profound, deep... Uh, commitment to veterans, whether, and I said this on the campaign tour, but to the last breath you take, you're, you're, you're going to be an advocate for us and for our families. Yeah, what? it's not politically expedient for you. Yeah. And I noticed, really. you know, this has been what we've known. I, I was introduced to you by Marcus six years ago now, seven years, and you were just as concerned about veterans then. The one sitting right next to Before you. Before you got to be a famous uh, that, songwriter, <laughs> singer. So. As you well, we're still now. struggling. We're still <laughs> struggling. <laughs> but, I mean, okay, so what is, I know how we all feel, but, and, you know, you came out against, like, D Donald Trump's comments against John McCain. Whether you, you know, as a veteran, my I had a visceral reaction yeah. to anybody who's never, like you said, raised your hand and, and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to write a blank check up to including my life for this country. For someone who's never done that, to turn around and throw a man like uh, Senator McCain, you know, under the bus, so to yeah. speak. How'd you feel? To shoot a bullet at John McCain that actually went through John McCain and hit you, and hit you, and hit you, and you, and me. That's the, that to me was the, the, the really visceral reaction that I had, that here is a man who, for political expediency, and listen, that's that's what this is all about. He would he would take a shot at John McCain, but say things like, "I don't uh, I don't want to be around, or I don't, I don't I like to be a men that are that aren't ca that, that aren't captured. Well, right. that cuts you out, buddy. Um, not, what does that mean? You know, yeah. What 
Yeah. Like, what, you, what does that mean? Well, it, it means it, I think it so, means that that's that's a completely it's an ignorant statement on the fact that he's never been in a position where he has no control over yeah. what is going on. Yeah. Because people that get captured, that's not in their control. I mean, that's and that just it kind of showed me, hey, you've never been in a place yeah. where you didn't control it. So what happens when when something that you can't control happens is this way you react. And so like, character is about realizing when you've made a mistake and doing your best to um, correct that. So he needs to he needs to pick up the phone or or publicly state that he was wrong and apologize to John McCain. But more importantly. He needs to apologize to every individual who has worn the uniform of the country, who by, you know, I don't think any of us volunteered to be captured. I mean, as right. you said, it's, like, oh, what's the job accident. description? Yeah. Get shot down and get captured. Sign me up. So, I mean, the point exactly. is, this is this is a reflection of an individual who um, really doesn't understand what you do, what you've done, exactly. what the young men and women go through. And, and I think one of the basic responsibilities of the next commander in chief is to have a deep understanding and frankly a passion for young men and women that they would send into harm's way and to understand the cost i've looked into the eyes of too many of the warriors of this country or for that matter into the eyes of a mother or a father who are burying their kid and understand the toll of war. And so <clears throat> the commander in chief needs to understand that we need to do everything. I mean, everything in our power to never put young men and women in harm's way. Now, there's comes a point in time where that's the only option that's left. And that's why we have to have a strong military. Interact is going to be Thursday at 8 o'clock Eastern, only here on the Blaze TV. You know, it's really interesting about that. I'm, I'm sure at least some part of Rick Perry uh, wanted to take part in that because he's running for president. That's good publicity for him. That's funny about yeah. that. I don't think that video made him look that good. It made the other guys look great. Uh, even more respect for them, if that's possible. But I don't think it made Rick Perry. I, I want to watch this because I want to know more about Rick Perry on this thing. Rick Perry is coming across like a very big blowhard on this thing with, with Donald Trump. I'm not a Donald Trump supporter. I'm not a big fan of his. And I've said before, to, to not respect John McCain's service is absolutely wrong. My problem is, how come Rick Perry didn't also call out John McCain for everything he's done since serving? Okay, maybe Donald Trump does need to pick up the phone or come out and make a statement and really believe from the heart that he didn't do veterans and certainly people who are captured sir, uh, justice, that he didn't speak well of them. He needs to really understand that. But how come Rick Perry didn't say Senator McCain needs to come out and really understand all of his failures over the last 30 years since he served? Because all of the good that he may have done while serving, while being captured, everything that you can respect him for does not make up for all of the bad that Senator McCain has done since then while carving up America in the U.S. Senate for his own personal gain. Because that's what John McCain has done as well.
Thompson. It's Skip McCollum in for Pat and Stu today. As promised, we're going to get some phone calls. 888-727-BECK if you want to join the program. 888-727-BECK. Let's go to the phones now in Oregon. This Casey. is uh, Casey. How are you? Doc, Skip, how are you guys doing? Doing well, sir. Thank you. Doing awesome. Well, um, I'm not too happy about that short video you showed with the veterans with uh, Michael Sattrell and uh, former Governor Perry mm -hmm. there uh, talking about uh, John McCain. Um, those, those are absolute lies. John McCain is a traitor to this country. He is a traitor, flat out. What do you mean? What do you mean? How? Give us, give us some details. In Vietnam. Mm -hmm. He collaborated with the Viet Cong. He collaborated with the North Vietnamese while he was in Hanoi Hilton. He, he, he provided over 30 videos in his collaboration, <clears throat> and he got away with it just because his daddy and his granddaddy were admirals. You know, Casey, I, um, I've heard a lot of that, and I've done some of the research, and you can make a strong argument for his, his connections with his dad and his granddad, absolutely, without question. As far as making the videos go, I like to think that I'm stubborn enough and I'm a big enough jerk, which, Skip, am I stubborn? Am I a jerk? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, to a fault. That I would stand on principle and not make videos like that, but I wasn't there. I wasn't, I wasn't there with him. So although, Casey, no, you're right. None of us were. None of us were. I'm right. like 33 years old. Right. I mean, I, I question those things from John McCain, but because I wasn't there, I'm willing to, Casey, say, okay, John, you didn't do wrong. I'll go ahead and say that. But here's what we do know, Casey. Ever since then, he has screwed America for himself. So we don't even have to talk about that. Yes, his service, some have and maybe should call into question. But I won't do it. Fine. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, John, because there's definitive stuff that's even worse than what you're talking about. I mean, Casey, ever since, you've seen what he's done. He was part of the Keating scandal. You know, the Keating Five. People went to jail for yeah. that. He didn't. So yeah, and he's also been on the, on the committee uh, of Veterans Affairs, and he's he's voted against he's voted down things that would benefit veterans. He has voted down legislation that would bring back POWs that were still in Vietnam. Yeah, I, Casey, I know that's what we have to focus on in this stuff. Let's just give John his due and and give him the benefit of the doubt and say, fine, I'll respect your service. I'm not even going to call it in question because there's so much worse well, that he's well, done. Well, you guys need to understand something. I'm a veteran myself. I'm a veteran myself, and Donald Trump does not owe me or any veteran an apology. I'm a Marine veteran. I fought in Iraq. Why do you say he doesn't owe you an apology? Because Donald Trump spoke the truth about John McCain. John McCain is not a hero. Why do you say he's not a hero? Why did Donald Trump say he's not a no, hero? No, why do, you, why do you agree with that? Because he's not a hero. He's a traitor. If he was a hero, he would have got tortured. Just like every other POW that was in, in, in North Vietnam during that time. So are you questioning uh, that he was bayoneted or his shoulders broken by the Viet Cong? His shoulders were not broken by the Viet Cong. That was his the crash, right? His shoulders were broken because he did, not, he did not escape his aircraft the way he was trained to do. Interesting. Well, Casey, first of all, thank you for your service. Yes, and Semper Fi, I appreciate the call. Second of all, I, I understand your passion. And it's, it's interesting to hear a veteran say Donald Trump doesn't owe me anything like that. And I appreciate that passion, too, from mm -hmm. him. I mean, they're, they're truly speaking from the heart on this. And I, I, I have a lot of agreement with Casey on that, too. I mean, I, I, I feel as though Trump's comments, well, <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to say they were inappropriate. They were probably um, rough. They were harsh. But, I, again, too, and I think the, the biggest deal is that, I mean, you can look at the service he's had since leaving the military. That is, is 
uh, worse than, than any potential problem that he had, uh, a secrets of games, if you're being tortured or whatever. I mean, assuming the official story is true, which we have to basically go off of. Yeah, I would say let's just focus on that because that stuff is obvious. Yeah, There's no question about his failures go. there. You know, the, the, the trouble with what Donald said with regard to his service, and he's not a hero because he was captured, that gets into this whole many, many levels of gray area, what you consider a hero, and you'd have to break that whole thing down. Um, you know, what, what constitutes a hero? Putting yourself in harm's way for somebody else? It's not your level of success? So you could, you could hold John McCain's service up and being captured next to somebody else and maybe say, by comparison, he's not a hero compared to this other guy, right? Look at what this guy did over here. But as far as his service goes, compared to me and Skip, John no, McCain's a hero. Absolutely. I mean, as far as just serving. John McCain served. Doc and Skip didn't. John McCain's a hero in that regard. Well, and you may put John McCain up next to a Daniel Anyway or Marcus Luttrell or somebody else and say, well, that's the thing is, I think you can have have degrees of hero, degrees of heroism. To perhaps John made John McCain on a level because of his service alone. Boom, we can grant him some sort of hero status. But you hear those stories about the the Marines who throw themselves on live grenades to right. save their troops, save their friends. That's going to be more heroic to me than than uh, than John McCain. Let's do this. Let's focus on the real issue here. Um, forget John McCain's service for a moment. We know he has screwed up over and over again. But why are people so passionate on either side about this? Why was Rick Perry passionate in the video? Why is Marcus Luttrell and everybody else there? They're passionate because they know what soldiers go through. They know the sacrifices soldiers make. They know. Casey, you know. So what's the problem? Why is everybody upset? It's not just what Donald said. It's that soldiers in America today do not get what they're supposed to get. They do not get what they deserve. And by in America today, I mean ever in America, really. We've had contracts with veterans for centuries that we have never fulfilled. The perfect example is the Veterans Administration. So while Donald Trump is being filleted for what he said about John McCain, and John McCain comes out in a very well-crafted political statement is like, he doesn't owe me a thing, he owes all veterans an apology to try to make it look like he's above it all and really concerned more about the veterans. Listen, I got news for you. John McCain is concerned about John, John McCain. McCain, as evident by his voting record over the years. So tell you what, let's focus on the veterans. Where is John McCain really thinking about the veterans and saying veterans deserve a raise? Active military deserves a raise. And by the way, that VA, I don't know if you know anything about it or not, but they're killing veterans. So he's more concerned with Donald Trump saying words that insult veterans than he is about the Veterans Administration killing veterans. That's how you know it's all BS. Well, John McCain's been uh, a, a public servant outside of being in the military for 30 years, over 30 years at this point. So, oh. yeah, he's had some time to work on that. Well, and even if he has done some good, voted certain ways that are good to stand with the veterans, if John McCain really cared about the veterans, he would spend every waking moment banging the drum on Capitol Hill, making it his number one issue, instead of trying to look good on the cameras and sucking up to Lindsey Graham so they can pass, am pass amnesty for illegals. He's more concerned with amnesty for illegals than he is the Veterans Administration. Does that he make him a hero? No, exactly right. And what about his money? John McCain and his wife have gobs and gobs of money. I don't fault them for that. But, John, put your money where your mouth is. I'm calling you out, Senator. Start spending some money on veterans. Go after the Veterans Administration. Donate a couple of million of your dollars to the Fisher House. How about that?
By the way, John McCain also hides his assets under his wife's name. She holds most <clears throat> of the family's right. assets. Right, exactly. So, yeah, it's, it's all a shell game. It's all a scam. So, who do you trust when it comes to the Veterans Administration and actually helping veterans? Is it Rick Perry? He talks a good game. Maybe he's serious about it. Is it John McCain? Is it Ted Cruz? Who's it going to be? Here's what I know. We cannot put our faith and trust in any politician to clean up the Veterans Administration. You know how I know that? Because they have never, regardless of who the politician is, done even half of what they're supposed to. We've had a couple of water, high watermarks in America. You had people like Eisenhower, who really understood war, and he did quite a bit for the veterans. You had people like um, Ronald Reagan, who actually gave uh, active duty a, a raise when he was elected president. See, so that people do some things. But the Veterans Administration, and even organizations or branches of the government or departments of the government prior to the VA, have failed since the history, the beginning of America. I don't think most people realize that. The Veterans Administration was started in, I believe, 1930. 1930, the VA was started because of the failure of the Veterans Bureau, which preceded it for nine years and was a disaster. And how has the VA been? Well, and, and here's the same thing. I mean, we talk about how progressives <clears throat> always say, what's the problem? If, 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 if we have any failure in government, it's that we didn't spend enough money, we didn't do big enough. They did the same thing back in 1930 when the Veterans Bureau wasn't good enough. It's not the <laughs> Veterans Administration. You know what we do? We need to spend more money on it. You know, we, well, what we do is we change the name. That Dude, Veterans Bureau, that Bureau's been... bad. What's that? But that is the answer to problems in government. Oh, we didn't do this right. You know what we have to do? Make it bigger and spend more of your money on it. Okay, how so, has it worked out for you? And how what is the Veterans Administration today? No, you're right, Skip. And what is the only thing that they've done? What has Obama done since this scandal came out? What are the, what's he, virtually the only action he's done? He pushed out Shinseki in favor of Robert McDonald, right? Yeah. How's that working out? The wait times for veterans going to the VA actually increased. You've got a hospital being built in Colorado that was supposed to be about $350 million, $1.7 billion. It's still not open. Imagine what you could have done with $1.7 billion. Now, we could come up with a lot of potential answers on how to fix the VA and, well, help veterans in general. Do we privatize the VA? Well, there could be some problems with that. Certainly, politically, it's going to be hard to get done. Do we try to fix the VA? Well, they haven't fixed it yet. I mean, I'd be up to just at this point saying, and Skip, do you remember the numbers on how about, much? It was about 12000 we could go and write a check for each. What, what's the total budget of the Veterans Administration? It was about uh, 170, 180 yeah, billion. Yeah, 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 169, I think. And then the next year, Obama pushed for an extra 10 increase, like so 179, I want to say 180. Okay, about $180 billion is their annual budget, and they want to increase it to solve the problem. Do you realize we could, with that amount of money, simply write veterans a check? Every year for that same amount of money, for I think it was just over twelve thousand, like thirteen. Well, we we did it figured a couple different ways versus um, those that are in the Veterans Administration and then all veterans. If it's those that just no, take part right, in the yeah. Veterans Administration that that use those services, we could write them for a check for around twenty thousand dollars each. And if you spread it amongst all veterans, it would be around I, I think around twelve thousand dollars. But I mean, that's more than any platinum plan on Obamacare. Why don't we just sign there them all is. up for private insurance? We save money, and then it'd be hold beholden on these private uh, these private companies. And when that actually happens, when the free market works, and and we need to actually work to go ahead and take care of these veterans, you know what happens? Veterans get taken care of. There it is. We could just I mean think about the time and energy. You're a veteran. Here's your check. Go ahead and buy yourself uh, insurance. You can drink it up, do what you want, but don't cry to us if you don't have health insurance because that's what this is for. You need it uh, to buy a house or whatever, fine. Here's your annual allotment of $20,000. 
You know what you could do, too? Take all the veterans' hospitals and sell them. Make some money off of it. The land, the equipment. Sell them to private hospitals, too. Let them continue to run them. Take on the costs of it. They're going to get the money from insurance that you're already paying for their insurance now. How is that not done? Right, exactly. This is just one of many ideas we can come up with. But here's what we're going to do for sure. Because we can't trust any politician to get this done, we've got to do it ourselves. So Skip and I, a couple of months ago, decided that we are going to do something to push this through. And it may take us 20 years, but we're going to get something in a big way done. Our first uh, big push is going to be sometime this fall, hopefully around Veterans Day. Skip and I are going to unveil a couple of little projects and procedures, ways to move forward on top of this project we're working on to really help veterans. We're going to push a couple of things, and we're going to need your help this fall. You'll hear us talk about it, likely uh, Pat and Stu may have been talking about it, Glenn Beck, whoever. When this happens, we're going to need you to get behind it and say, here's how we're really going to help veterans. In the meantime... Do your research, do your homework, and hold these people in D.C. accountable. Do not let them get offended by a statement from somebody like Donald Trump. Instead, demand that they actually be offended enough to take action against the failures in the V.A. because they haven't so far. We are going to do it, me, Skip, and you. If we don't, no one else will. we got to help active duty, and we got to help people that have already served. That's our plan. How's that sound to you? Sounds good to me. We'll end up getting the thing done. Uh, that's one of the biggest travesties, I think, in, in, in the United States, that we don't take care of our veterans. The, the people who have who've promised to protect us, to, who've given their lives to us, I mean, written that blank check up to and including their life, like Marcus Luttrell said. I think it was Pete that said that. Um, yeah, the fact that we don't take care of them. And furthermore, we never have. Yeah, when, when you, we when, never have. When we started doing our research for this project we're working on, realized that we've never taken care of veterans. I'm laughing because it makes me it's sad. so ridiculous that we it's never horrifying. have and people don't know. Virtually every year, and I've researched this back to about 1920 with the Veterans Bureau, and it probably goes back before because we know that they have failed before that. But virtually... Every two or three years since 1920, almost 100 years, every couple of years, there is a significant Veterans Administration failure where people have been killed, died, money misspent, misappropriated, people stealing, graft, corruption, whatever it is, a significant failure at the Veterans Administration that everybody goes, oh, the Veterans Administration, what are we going to do? They scapegoat a person or two. They continue business as usual, maybe change the name of the organization, scapegoat, fire the guy at the top, and nothing actually changes to make the lives of veterans better, to give them the services they, they deserve, both morally and contractually. Because remember, this isn't just a moral question. This is a contractual question. We have made contracts with veterans, we have said, if you do this, we will do this. It's written. And we don't even hold up our end of the deal when it comes to the contract. So we're going to get this thing done. Hey, speaking of projects, and do we have the video, by the way, um, of yes, our new yes, project? Okay, tomorrow morning, Skip and I are going to launch uh, one of our latest projects here. We're launching a website where we can post content. And as part of the launch of this website, we have a new... I hate to say documentary. It's uh, a film. Is that what you call it? A video? Yeah, just call a, it a video. A, a project. It is a, uh, a project that lays out some of the failures when it comes to uh, the progressive ideas and philosophies out there. Did, do, are we going to show the beginning? Do I have to set it up? Or? Uh, this is show at the beginning. Okay. Here it is. Here's uh, our latest project that we'll unveil, and you'll be able to watch tomorrow. Here it is.
Sadly, we can no longer trust the police in America. But only police officers should have guns in America. Juxta progressive. Even though the Supreme Court has ruled it's not the responsibility of the police to protect you, and even though it's quite logical for a person to try to protect themselves, the progressives believe that they can magically make everything wonderful by creating gun-free zones. That's just a little teaser idea for you. What we have done is juxtapose different failures of progressive ideas. I mean, if you look at juxtaposition, it's a comparison side-by-side -side of a couple of things. And obviously, progressivism, you have an idea. So Skip and I have created juxtaprogressive. And that is a side-by-side -side comparison of the failures of progressive ideas. And you saw that was just one example there. And we go through the video every couple of minutes bringing up a different one. On one hand, they say, you can't have a gun. How dare you? It's too dangerous. But police, certainly we could trust them to have guns. Police, they're too dangerous to trust. Look at all the people that they are murdering. Black Lives Matter. But only the cops can have guns. See, that stuff doesn't add up. Their values conflict. You know, or the same type of thing, saying that we have to ban smoking, we have to quit smoking. Everybody's got to stop smoking, but we've got to make sure we all have access to pot first. We go down a whole bunch of these on the video, and it'll be available tomorrow. We'll give you more details tomorrow morning on our morning radio broadcast. Just go to theblaze.com uh, uh, slash radio and check us out tomorrow morning, 6 to 9, and we'll share more details on that, and you'll be able to check it out. Stock and Skip in for Pat and Stu on the Blaze TV. with this one, Skip. Uh, Skip Lacombe is now going to explain to me why the Cecil Lyon story is such a story. Go, Skip, go. Ah, uh, well, um... What's that? This I is a really know. big story. Dude, I on. have no idea. I mean, apparently, this Cecil the Lion is a, is a mascot, if you will, of like a, Africa. Like, and a local, like a local school? Like school mascot? No, no, no. I mean, just a, uh, the face of safari-ing. Or if you've seen... <laughs> I don't know. Is that a word? Safari-ing? No, but if you've seen the images of it, or, but apparently if you've seen images of a lion in Africa nine times out of ten, it's going to be this Cecil the Lion. Was a was a huge um, icon or a touristy type thing in Africa. Now, that still doesn't explain to me how it's uh, ballooned into a huge international news story. Yeah, I think for me, I would just get into the lion and... <laughs> <laughs> That's me, though. I know. I don't. Okay, well, explain what happened. Help me explain this. Okay, so it's in Zimbabwe. Yes. Now, and a guy goes on safari. Yeah, there were two guys who um, had allegedly um, lured Cecil off the reservation through some means, hunted, and killed him. And uh, do yeah. we? How did he lure him? Please, somebody help me a out. A steak, here. probably. He probably how did had he a lure steak. Him? How do we know Cecil the lion just wasn't wandering off by himself? Well, he was thirty-seven, wasn't he? He might have been wandering off. Oh no, I'm sorry. The the last photo was taken with a thirty-seven-year-old. Yeah. See, I I don't know. How do you how do you lure him off? And if he's dumb enough to be lured off, come on, it's thin into the herd, right? What's the big deal? You're right, Skip. Just get another lion, but. I don't know. For whatever the reason, people have gone crazy. Now, I don't want you unnecessarily killing animals. I mean, I think you should have a purpose to do it. I mean, God's put them here for, for a reason. 
And I'm not all, you know, upset when people go hunting, even on, you know, big safaris or whatever. I can see some value in that, certainly if you're, you're trying to thin out the population. In fact, I wish they'd hunt a hell of a lot more deer and Canadian geese. Oh, totally. Please hunt Stupid them Canada things. geese, I can't stand Let's them. expand the hunting season for Canada geese to, from, what is it now, it's a couple of weeks. Can we expand that to a... Like, like of January to like maybe mid December, somewhere around something there. like that. Like well, you could take like a two week break. Two like, week break around Christmas, give them a, a little breathing like space. Like a, a week break, really. I don't think we can. I mean, do we have a shortage of these things? We're worried about. No, no okay, we that's don't. what I'm saying. All right, dude. I I love the quotes though that are coming out about some of these uh, people <clears throat> in Africa talking about seas of the lion. For instance, is he was confident but not aggressive. <laughs> Dude, no, it, apparently, like, like I said, it was such a cultural icon to these people. I understand how it would be a big news story in Zimbabwe, but how the hell are we talking about it in America? No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, you can say he was not aggressive, right? If you go, listen, he wasn't an aggressive lion. This guy gave him the business and killed him. Okay, I'll give you that. But you say he was confident but not aggressive. Oh, there's more. Uh, no, further, because they don't want people to think he's a weak lion. No. Our mascot wasn't weak. He was, he was confident, confident. Damn it. He, no, he's not real to... aggressive. You know what that means? He was a lazy lion. You're, he was on a, a reservation, lion. right? Laying around all day, people feeding him. He's got the little collar in Maine, all metrosexual, make sure his <laughs> hair is all perfect. And I don't know, man. Dude, more of these quotes, though. I, I'm loving it. Uh, more from this guy. He, wasn't, uh, he was not really playful. Playful. More regal. He was a lion, and he knew it. And everyone else... <laughs> I can't even get through it. Okay, can you, can you describe Cecil the Lion for me? How would you describe him? I, not really playful, uh, not real aggressive, confident. Was um, he confident? I'd call him regal. Did he think it was human or something like no, that? No, he was a lion and he knew it. He knew it? He knew he was he a lion. He absolutely knew it. Uh, everyone else be damned. He was the biggest <laughs> cat on the block. He didn't have to be playful. Okay, well, there it is. That explains it. Yeah, apparently, a uh, Dr. Walter Palmer is the uh, is the Minneapolis dentist who went on safari. By the way, too, this isn't going to be some sort of a gun type thing. It's a bow and arrow. Oh yeah, if it was a, I was wondering oh, how come see, the gun people hadn't come up. They with. don't have an angle for that. All right, I I watched uh, ABC News overnight. ABC News has a, a news feed. It's just constant news overnight. And Skip and I get up real early for the program. So while I'm getting ready, if I flip on the news, it's, if, if you put on a lot of the, the network, like Fox or whatever, they're running old programs from the day before as opposed to up-to-the-minute the news. So I'll put that on as I'm getting ready for work or whatever and listen to some of it. T.J. Holmes, I think it is, who does overnights. He's one of the anchors. They came out after this story, and he was like this. He was like this. I just... The guy... He, he, he killed the lion, and he cut his head off. I just, uh, don't get me. Mm. You know what? Let's just go to a, this is how he's acting at this. And I was like, what do you, you do news stories. You anchor news stories every day about <laughs> people being getting their off. heads cut off. And you're upset about the lion. Now, he has showed emotion at other times, but certainly not as much as this lion. And there are plenty of stories about kids getting beat up, illegals shooting people. Well, how about the ISIS. Planned Parenthood story, damn it? Little tiny baby parts being being sold for profit. Yep. How is that? Oh, how are they doing? No, a friggin' lion I gets know. killed and in Africa. And it's a huge story here. Yep. By the way, to this dentist, actually paid for the right to go. So I don't know if he was supposed to not be on the preservation or the fact that he lured him off is a big problem. But no, this doctor paid $55,000 to go on a safari for the express purpose to go kill a lion. I kind of feel bad for uh, the guy saying, oops, I'm sorry. Yep. I mean, maybe he did have more uh, a bad intent with it and intentionally tried to lure this specific guy off. But 
For what it looks like, no, this dentist was going on vacation and wanted to go a big game hunting. Let me ask you, let's say he didn't lure the lion off. Let's we'll take it at their word. He lured the lion off and that's wrong. But imagine for a moment, Skip, he didn't actually lure the lion off. Imagine a scenario where he was out wherever he could be legally, right, for the purpose of killing a lion. He paid the $55,000. He's walking around, and Cecil the lion decides, you know, I'm going to try to expand my territory, pee on some different trees, market. So he wanders off the reservation himself, a mile off, two miles, whatever it is, comes across this dentist from Minneapolis or Minnesota, and he kills him. Would people be any less offended or less bothered if he didn't lure him off? I don't, I don't think, think they so, would. No, I don't think so. Because he killed this. Because it doesn't matter. Exactly. It's all about the animal. It doesn't matter the circumstances around it. All that other stuff is just icing on their cake to go ahead and make their story for it. In fact, it, it, the quote, too, from this hunter, too, uh, uh, Dr. Walter Palmer, had no idea that the lion I took was a known local favorite, was collared and part of the study until the end of the hunt. Uh, he continued, I relied on the expertise of my local professional guides to ensure a legal hunt. He had locals that were there with them that were supposed to be guides. In fact, one of the locals, too, uh, Theo Bronkhorst, apparently the prof professional hunter, um, is appearing before a magistrate today. Interesting. Yeah, I think they're just using that as the excuse. He lured him off. Bottom line is you're upset that he killed him. Again, if you broke the law, that's wrong. If you shouldn't lure him off or whatever the restrictions are, that's fine. But let's be honest, they would be just as ticked off, and people like T.J. Holmes would be just as upset about this. Meanwhile, they sit in silence every day. First of all, they're not even airing the abortion Planned Parenthood story. They're not even airing it. That's why this is a story, because it's a snow, slow news cycle right now, and they're doing everything they can to bury the stuff they don't want to talk about. Exactly. That, that's exactly it. And when the, the stories of ISIS comes up, he's not that upset about it. Let me give you another example of that in anchors or television people that are upset about the wrong things and not able to prioritize. There is a longtime weather forecaster. Those of you in northeastern Ohio know who he is. His name is Dick Goddard. He's on the local TV there. And he's been there for 107 years. The guy was a doddering old fool 25 years ago. And he's still there because longevity has made people believe that he is a weather authority. He's just a goofy old man who should have hung it up a long time ago. A few years ago... They do one of these undercover videos. They play, somebody released an undercover video about dogs being abused in cages in Asia or wherever it was, and it was horrible. They were treating the animals really, really bad. It was, it was pretty sickening. They air the video, and he comes out after this because he is a longtime animal nut. Not somebody that likes animals and doesn't want to see animals abused. He's an animal nut. He's the PETA-type person, right? He comes out, and I am not exaggerating when I say he is so angry. <laughs> They sit and funny talk like this. And he's saying, I hope they reserve the hottest part of hell for these people. He's a weather guy. He's the weather guy. And he comes out after this story just infuriated and goes off. And I thought to myself, you know, the 50 years that he's been on TV there and I've been watching him, I don't ever recall him coming out after a story where a kid was raped and saying such things. I don't remember him coming out after somebody was bombed, after 9-11 or any of this stuff. Any of the horrific news stories that he has sat there in that studio and listened to for 40 years. Oh, it's time to get your forecast now. Kids raped on the east side tonight. Let's go to Dick Goddard now. Uh, time to get your forecast. That's all that happens. Woolly bears, that's it. But this one, when it's animals, it's a lack of priorities. If you're going to be upset by it, fine. Why aren't you upset about the other stuff? Animal life matter more to you than human life? Well, then you're doing it wrong.
Doc and Skip in for Pat and Stu. Certainly not a lot of good ideas or new ideas. It's just a lot of rehash on stuff. Um, you got uh, a new vacation reboot, the mm -hmm. vacation series. I actually think that one looks pretty good. I, you said you didn't look I, like it as much. I know. We'll see. I, 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 hope, I hope it's good. I just I, I have my doubts. Uh, we just had, uh, what was it, uh, Jurassic Park. Which one was that? Four, six, twelve, This would have been 13. four, which would be World. And was, what, the highest grossing highest movie or most successful? Time, yeah. It's one, one of the top three now. And the, and, and, okay, here's the thing about any Jurassic Park movie. What, are you going to have a new villain? Who's the villain going to be, Skip? This time it was a different Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> a, well, they created a new dinosaur here. It's still a dinosaur. People are going to run around from the dinosaur. No, 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 this is the Megalosaurus, though, no, now. Okay, it's still people running from a dinosaur. So not a whole lot of new ideas. Some new stuff, and I think the new stuff really shines when it's done well. There's a movie that uh, is getting ready to come out that I think looks amazing. It's uh, 13 hours. It's uh, Michael Bublé just performing no, no, for no, no, 13 no, no. hours, Dude, which no, is... No, it's, it's, no, it's a Michael Bay film, not Mike, Michael, Michael Bublé. Bublé. No, 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 not the singer. It's the director, Michael Bay. Oh, I like guess that? that sounds pretty good, too. Yeah, no, no, no. It's, mm. it's, it's, actually, it's going to be on Benghazi. It's called 13 Hours, The Secret Soldiers of Benghazi. Now, this is based on a 2014 book that details a security team that was dispatched to fight uh, um, um, in Benghazi. Now, um, do they fight and sing? No, there's no there's... singing in it. It's just an action film. It's not like a musical. No, get Michael Bublé out of your head, man. There's no... Okay, so it's just Michael Bay. Michael Bay, yeah, And it's on just Benghazi. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. The I'm seriously, Benghazi, that's... Yeah, the cast members can... include uh, John Krasinski from The Office, uh, Orange is the New Black's uh, Pablo Schreiber, and uh, Breaking Bad's David Costable. Uh, it should be in theaters January 15th of uh, next year. Do we have the trailer for it? Do we have something? Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah, let's check this out then. This looks awesome. Sounds great. Jack Silva. Jack. We trained SEALs at Coronado, so he knows the drill. Welcome to Club Mad. We need immediate assistance. We are overrun. 
go, man. State's under attack. Let's go! We gotta move! If you do not get here soon, we are all gonna die. You have a U.S. ambassador at risk. The ambassador is in his safe haven. You're not the first responders. You're the last resort. You will wait. None of you have to go. We are the only help they have. Holy moly, is that powerful. How do you feel about that now? Holy moly, I'm going to have to back burner the Michael Bublé one. That's uh Yeah, no, you're going to have to definitely. This thing, there's no Michael Bublé movie coming out. Forget about the politics uh, behind Benghazi and everything you know and you want the story to be told. Forget all that for just a second and imagine being there, right? I mean, that's just an absolute pandemonium. That's what you're in. You're in that consulate or whatever, absolute pandemonium. It doesn't matter what your role Terror. is, whether you're Terror. Right. Everywhere, everywhere you look. And we know, you know, the outcome of it, too. I mean, some of these movies you watch, and it's like the James Bond stuff or whatever, and it's terror, and people are in a really bad situation, but hooray, we got away and survived or whatever. Well, you know what's coming, right? Wow, that is powerful. Even if it just puts me in that, uh, in that place, even if it shows me, if it gets me at all to understand what it was like to be there, it's worth seeing. And then, of course, the political ramifications as well. Well, here's the best thing, too. I mean, it's going to get people talking about Benghazi, too. I mean, most people, if you ask them what happened in 2012 in Benghazi, they're going to be... Um, if you ask most what? people what happened in 2012 in their own life, they can't <laughs> tell a, you, right? That's a good point. I was drunk from, like, 2008 up until including right now. Right. You know, they, they have no clue of this stuff. But how, how does this play out for Hillary now? This front See, burner that, is one of her major uh, international <laughs> and um, the foreign affairs failures, right? Yeah. Should be interesting. It looks like a great film. It looks like it's well done. Michael Bay is a, is a good director, a good action film director. I mean, he knows how to make an action movie, so should be good. Yeah, this is going to be really bad should for be Hillary because this is going to go ahead and fan the flames of some of that stuff. So there's going to be a handful of people out there that had no clue that are go. Oh, maybe, okay, maybe, fine. maybe not though. I mean, the movie. I mean, if, unless the movie kind of goes into Secretary of State being any part of that, I'm not sure too many people will make the outside connection between watching the movie and what happened on C-SPAN that night, though. You know, even if it does. Yeah, get that's point true. With, with uh, um, um, uh, hearings and whatnot. That's true. Yeah, they don't. Ha yeah, they would have to kind of go into some of those details, even to show President and Secretary of State how they reacted to it. You'd have to show some of that for it to be bad. But um, the fact that it's out there, they'll get a lot of other people talking about it. Absolutely. So and, and, and that's the best thing is that people will talk about it because of this movie. You know, the thing is though, even if, if you look at Benghazi and you don't even go into all of the the details that you know, and you just look at the facts that are really undisputed, the fact of the outcome, first of all, so obviously a failure. I mean, that's the administration to blame, right? There's a failure. They failed to protect the consulate. That's a problem. We know there are weapons there. That's a bit of a problem. Certainly questions, right? And the fact that they tried to sell this as a video, reaction to a video. We know they did that. Doesn't matter when. I mean, yeah, it does to us when we know all the details and you can show a clear-cut pattern of what they did. They've disputed that. No, we didn't know this, and here's why we did the facts that you pushed a video that 
tried to explain away your failures and you had weapons in it. That by itself automatically puts the administration in a really bad position for me or anybody connected with it. Right. right? I mean, that, absolutely, that's absolutely. undisputed and it's really, really bad. We'll see how it goes out. When does that open again? Uh, January 15th of uh, next year. Wow, so. I thought this was like next week. No, it's going to be about six months or so. Oh, man, you're killing me here. I was like, hey, let's go see it. I was going to say, hey, let's go to the Alamo. You got The Alamo Theater will... Get a little sandwich and watch the... Okay, six yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be out uh, this winter. All uh, right, get a quick break in. It's uh, Doc and Skip pinch hitting for Pat and Stu today. Somebody's uh, under fire for some uh, what they say are misogynistic uh, tweets and comments, and uh, shockingly, this time it's it's not me. It's uh, Glamour Ma Glamour Magazine. They're uh, under a little bit of fire because they put together what some are calling on Twitter a misogynistic list that reveals 13 things to make a man fall in love with you. Uh oh. Now here's the thing. Glamour magazine is targeting what well, demographics gift. Give oh, me a women. ballpark. Women. Women. So. And younger women in particular, I would say, right? Say so, so it's women. Now, Glamour magazine is one of these magazines because it's younger and women is usually a little more progressive. And they'll write all kinds of stories about female empowerment and why abortion's good for you and all of this other nonsense. Then they put out a list how to make a man fall in love with you. Now, I have no problem with either of these. That's what you want to write about. But the people that are calling them misogynistic or whatever, they, they have a, a pretty good point there. No, they You're absolutely not being consistent, do. They right? absolutely do. I mean, and and I wish more people would call them out for this. I mean, when, when this type of crap happens, I mean, Glamour needs to be called out on this. Same thing with Vogue or 16 but or I mean, any of those chick magazines. Do you have a problem know? with the list, though? The 13 things to make a man fall in love with? You don't have a problem with the list, no, right? No, not Just at all. The it's the lack of consistency. Okay, that they're not consistent. On one hand, they're going to tell you about female empowerment and all this other, that person's misogynistic and stand up for yourself. But then they do something that doesn't really sound like it's empowering women. So let me get to some of this list for you as well. Here's one of the things that they say uh, you can do to make a man fall in love with you. Number one, stocking the fridge with his favorite drinks. Bonus points, bring him back to his fraternity days by handing him a cold one when he steps out of the shower. Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, I, I didn't, I wasn't in a fraternity and called... Do they do that, like handing each other beers and people getting you, out of the shower? Uh, yeah, uh, I didn't think so. Uh, Any frat days? guys here? Was that a big frat thing in terms of get out of the shower, one of my brothers brings me a beer? Yeah, I've never seen a lot of that. No? I would have been more encouraged to join a fraternity. I didn't know that was I'll uh, have to call Roman after this. Hmm. Another one, uh, make him a snack after sex. It doesn't have to be a gourmet meal. A simple grilled cheese or milk and cookies will do. <laughs> Bring me milk and cookies after sex? Okay, here's the thing. I also don't think either one of these are misogynistic. Again, it doesn't fit with other things that Glamour would write and say and do. 
from their perspective on other, you know, articles that they've written or other attitudes they've taken, but no, here's the this doesn't fall in line with it. I come out afterwards or I send a tweet about saying, hey, make me a sandwich after oh, sex. I'm it. sexist. But Glamour Magazine <clears throat> can tell you to make me a sandwich after sex, and that's not sexist. Yeah, that's not sexist at all. You know okay. what that is? It doesn't matter, man or woman, after sex or any other time of the day, take somebody you care about, a sandwich. Take, it doesn't have to be gourmet. Take a milk and cookies. It's a nice thing to do. I mean, Skip's made me lunch and dinner. I've made Skip lunch and dinner. It's a nice thing to do. Yeah, why yeah. is that sexist? Oh, that's right. It's not. Yeah. All right, also on the list, emailing him the latest outline gossip about his favorite TV show. You don't have to have a BFF at HBO. Just share applicable links from your Twitter feed and pat yourself on the back. This writing, the whole writing style. What do, you, what, do you, what do you mean? No, it's just like, dude, when, when I read these types of things from Glamour Magazine and when mm -hmm. we go through stuff like this, dude, I can perfectly visualize like the 28-year-old liberal female Berkeley uh -huh. graduate with uh -huh. her beret and <laughs> kale chips over here. She's got her hummus down here, hasn't uh -huh. shaved her arms for about three years. Right, 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 right. I mean, I can see the perfect mm -hmm. picture coming up every time I read these. We're BFFs. Uh, continuing, ways to make your man fall in love with you, bragging about him to your friends, family, the stranger on the street corner, whoever, proclaiming proclamations of pride will make his chest puff and heart swell. Sweet. Doesn't that just make you feel better, though? Unless you're actively bragging about your boyfriend in front of your boyfriend. Right. You would have to do it in front of him. Isn't that just manipulation? Exactly. I mean, are you bragging? Is it sincere or not? And why wouldn't you have just said nice things anyways? That's called being honest and straightforward. Oh, well. Answering the door in a negligee, or better yet, naked. Oh, glamour. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Skip okay. your thoughts. It seems... That's going to help him fall in love with you. No. For about... <laughs> there it is. <laughs> four minutes. You need some credit. And uh, by four minutes, I mean well, moving two on, minutes. Being open to whatever he wants to try in the bedroom and out. An open mind is attractive no matter, no matter what your playground. He'll fall in love with you if you're a slut. There it is. Guys like sluts. He'll fall in love with you. I you know, it's been my experience. Guys don't fall in love with the sluts. No. They'll date the sluts. Mm -hmm. They'll go out with the sluts. And by date, we should probably just move on. Yeah, let's just move on. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, letting him try to solve your petty work problems. Many men don't do gossip, but they do like to fix things. Let me tell you, if, you, if you're specifically just coming at me, you, you think that making me fall in love with you by telling me your problems about the girls at work, you're doing it wrong. This is actually, they make a good point. Part of this one actually has a little bit of truth. Guys like to fix things and girls just want to be heard out. That is a stereotype with some truth to it. In relationships, you may know. I mean, uh, guys do this. What happened at work? I just tell her to shut the hell up and move on. Or you go in your boss's office and you demand this, right? And if you get fired, oh well. That's how guys do it. Done, cut, and dry. Women are like, I didn't want you to fix it. I just wanted you to listen to me. Yeah, I don't want to listen to you if there's not a point to this. I mean, I'm glad to hear about your problems, but let's solve problems. Well, yeah, so and, I get that part of it. Well, and, and furthermore, on this, that is good advice, too, letting them try to solve problems or whatever. But still, we're talking about a list of 13 things to make somebody fall in love with you. And that's what they come up for number seven. How about honesty? How about trust? How about respect? Those are the things that will really make somebody fall in love with you. Again, more from Glamour Matter uh, magazine, 13 things to make a man fall in love with you. And this is, this is really good, ladies. No. What you want to do is lose yourself in a man. You want to have no identity. You don't want to have any opinion yourself. What you do want to do is, number eight, 
spit out sports stats for his favorite team. Showing him an interest in his favorite player will earn you points on and off the field. All right, when, when I'm watching the game and she's just trying to take part no. in the conversation, no, I'm going to leave that one alone. I never you, know, you know what I would say at that point, ladies? Refer back to number two. Make him a snack. <laughs> it is uh, moving on nine. Making a big deal out of his favorite meal. Does he like hot dogs cut up in his box mac and cheese? Serve it on a fancy tray in bed and really see him smile. Treating his friends as well as you treat your own. Uh, sitting side by side when he watches his favorite TV show. No, that's uh, that's not going to be good for you. That's a fail. Sorry for the uh, the lack of consistency, Glamour Magazine. But at least you're probably selling them to the young pinheads that stick the stud. Have yourself a great day.